0: The NFL Draft is just over three weeks away in Kansas City, Missouri this year. What to expect from guys like Jaron Hall, Blake Freeland, and Pukunakua as they hope to hear their names called. We've got all that and more ahead on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys making it a part of your routine, no matter when you listen and or watch it. We're very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, the motto is your team every day. And as such, we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. I'm fond of saying this, but my goal here is simply stated is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room by giving you all the intel that you guys can get in a nice 30-minute package at the very most, uh, catching you up on all the details when it comes to all things BYU. All right, diving right in on today's show. The NFL Draft, as mentioned in the open, is just over three weeks away, and there are a number of guys hoping to hear their names called at that event. It's one of those things that every kid who grows up a fan of football and has aspirations of playing at the professional level, trust me, I had that dream. I, I dreamed I was going to be the next great tight end for the San Francisco 49ers growing up, but uh, I'm not Never going to live that dream, but for guys like Jaron Hall, Blake Freeland, and Puka Nakua, they're expected to hear their names called coming up here towards the end of the month. But what is the latest when it comes to those guys? Well, a report came out yesterday via Jeremy Fowler of ESPN that Jaron Hall has had an individual workout with the Indianapolis Colts. Now, the Colts are picking fourth currently in the NFL draft. One-two currently are the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans who are expected to pick in order either C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or vice versa. I think it'll go C.J. Stroud then Bryce Young. That leaves uh, the Colts in a really weird spot because they're trying to find a franchise quarterback. I'm not saying by any means, and nobody really was out there, that Jaron Hall is being looked looked at seriously as a guy who's going to go in the first round of the NFL draft. What I read the report yesterday as was more of a thing when it comes to Jaron Hall and the Colts just doing their due diligence on all quarterbacks. There's an interesting situation Situation out there because the Colts, if they don't feel like maybe a guy like Will Levis is the guy that they want at the number four spot, they could trade out of that spot, give it to another team who is more bullish on a guy like Levis or Anthony Richardson, for example, the top quarterbacks in this class, and move back in the draft. They may very well consider drafting a guy like Jaron Hall later on in the draft, where he's projected to go in the fifth or sixth round, and bring him on as a developmental player. The thing with Jaron Hall, and I'll say this once, I'll say it again is that I have faith that he's going to go into any situation in the NFL with a positive mindset. He's got the skill set, it feels like, to adapt to everything that an NFL team will ask him to do. And the biggest thing that I think is going to be his chief strength, if you want to call it that, when it comes to the, to the NFL, is just his maturity level. This is a guy who has proven himself to be a leader amongst his teammates. He has guys gravitate to him because he's, just, he's a good teammate. He's a good guy to have in the locker room and I know that the NFL is more cutthroat than college football. It's not necessarily all chummy chummy uh, and it's not all the camaraderie and the brotherhood that we hear all the time about college football, but you need uh, guys who are going to go in and just be good teammates. That just, that's what Jaron Hall's going to be, but it was, it, it was good to hear a guy like uh, Jeremy Fowler who is one of the foremost NFL insiders out there for ESPN, really an emerging uh, media presence in his own right say that the Indianapolis Colts are looking at Jaron Hall. Now, the Colts are doing their due diligence on all quarterbacks, and they're obviously looking at all options, but as I was thinking about this, could this be a situation as I mentioned, if the Colts decide to trade out of that number four spot or even stick there and potentially grab a guy like Will Levis, could they do what the Washington, then Washington Redskins, now Washington Commanders did, I don't remember how many years ago it was, when they took RG3, speaking of Robert Griffin third, as well as Kirk Cousins. Now, we all know how that played out. Obviously, RG3 had a pretty devastating knee injury, tried to come I'm back from too soon. It stunted his growth as an NFL quarterback. Meanwhile, Kirk Cousins developed into a premier starter. He's a top half of the league type starter. Obviously, has had a good run most recently with the Minnesota Vikings. That is a situation I'm wondering if a team like Indianapolis uh, goes for in this situation where they go and get one of the quote-unquote first-round guys. They get an Anthony Richardson or a Will Levis based on the projections of where they sit at the number four spot. But then in the tail end of the draft, the fifth, sixth, maybe even early part of the seventh round, They say, hey, Jaron Hall, we want you to come in as well and work uh, with our guys. Shane Steichen is a very highly thought of quarterback uh, coach, a guy that worked with Jalen Hurts out there in Philadelphia. We have uh, heard that Shane Steichen has compared Jaron Hall, to Jalen Hurts, so that may be part of the, the intrigue on the Colts' part. Do I think that that's how it's going to play out? Not necessarily, but that's kind of the scenario I can envision it being, and I, I look forward to seeing what Jaron Hall and the opportunity he gets. I, I think he is going to be a guy that is going to impress folks once he gets there. There are some out there that don't, don't think very highly of him. I was actually reading a thing. It comes from Jordan Reed of ESPN where he did his top 15 uh, quarterback rankings, and I was scrolling through, scrolling through, got to number 7, Jake Haynes there, a guy that I thought I would take Jaron Hall over Jake Hainer myself. Then Tanner McKee at number 8. Okay, well uh, Jaron Hall is a guy who I would project is better than Tanner McKee. Well, he's still there. Stetson Bennett, the two-time defending national champion quarterback at number 9. Okay, where's Jaron Hall on this list? Keep scrolling. Max Duggan at 11. Clayton Toon out of Houston at number 12. And then finally, at number 13 of 15 here from Jordan Reed, he's got Jaron Hall. It says, since he took over in 2021, Hall was in full control of the BYU offense displaying plenty of arm strength Improved accuracy. He plays with a quiet lower half and distributes the football around the offense. In twelve starts last year, uh, he had three thousand one hundred seventy-one rushing yards, uh, passing yards. Me, not rushing yards, thirty-one touchdown throws, and six interceptions. His completion percentage also improved uh, from sixty-three point nine percent in twenty twenty-one to sixty-six percent. But he says this: eye manipulation is the one area Hall must continue to improve. He tends to lock onto his targets, hoping they be, uh, they come open rather than manipulating defenders with his eyes and moving them where he wants them to go. During practices at the senior ball, a senior bowl, excuse me, Hall's ability to decipher and attack coverages was clear, but his eyes and accuracy still need improvement. And then here's the potential team fit from Jordan Reed, the New Orleans Saints. Since the retirement of Drew Brees, the Saints haven't been very aggressive in finding a quarterback of the future. That all changed with the pursuit of Derek Carr, who is now the clear QB one in New Orleans. But the Saints could still look for a late round, late round developmental option, and Hall fits that billing. That'd be an interesting place for Jaron obviously to land because Taysom Hill's on that roster right now. Jamal. Williams just signed there. Dan Sorensen was on the roster last year. I think he's unattached right now as a free agent, but doesn't mean that he couldn't be re-signed by the Saints. But interesting situation there because the Saints would be an interesting place for Jaron Hall to go and develop, as they as uh, Jordan Reed mentions. But I don't see him being the 13th best quarterback in this class. You can't tell me that Jaron Hall is any worse than Tanner McKee, Jay Kane, Clayton Toon from Houston. I'm sorry. I'd take I'd take Jaron Hall over all those guys. I I just don't see where he is that far down that list. But we'll see if it shakes out that way. It was just a very interesting situation to read about and hear those reports yesterday. And like I said, it's going to obviously take some time to see where things shake out for Jaron Hall. But I look forward to seeing him and his journey as an NFL quarterback. Now, a, a couple other quick notes and other guys hoping to hear their names called in the NFL draft coming up. When it comes to Blake Freeland, uh, the Athletic does a thing where they call their consensus top 100 list, where they take all of the different uh, various draft uh, prognosticators out there, and they average where they have guys ranked in the top 100 of their rankings. Well, Blake Freeland checks in in the 80s. I think it was around like 83, if I recall correctly, on that list. That would put him in the early part of round three. I'm convinced that just based on the measurables, if a team really thinks that what Blake Freeland has in his back pocket in terms of his measurables, his athleticism, and the fact that he's only played offensive line for all of four years now, I think he could find himself very easily in the second round. Like I, That's just my personal projection. I have also heard uh, from some people talking with them as they're more in the know when it comes to the NFL draft that based on uh, what Caleb Hayes did at the BYU Pro Day, he has firmly put himself on that radar, radar of being a late round pick, most obviously going to be a seventh round pick. If it, I think it comes to fruition, but Caleb Hayes has firmly put him on himself on the list of NFL draft hopefuls from BYU. I still think it's going to be Jaron Hall, Pukunakua, and Blake Freeland. I think are all guaranteed picks in this upcoming draft, but they could have a fourth guy in Caleb Hayes because similar to Blake, Blake Freeland, when you have size, speed, and weight, uh, no size, speed, and athleticism combo like a guy that Caleb Hayes showed at BYU's Pro Day. NFL teams are going to be intrigued by that and he could find himself getting a late round flyer from an NFL franchise. So very interesting stuff just over three weeks away. We'll continue to check in on this from time to time on the show. We're also going to check in on something we're going to talk about next from time to time. I I hit it heavy when it was really kind of raging out there in the headlines. It's calmed down a little bit but some latest intel when it comes to the Big 12 versus Pac-12 debate. Uh, There's one good thing according to a report from Dennis Todd about why you should be happy as a BYU fan to be in the Big 12, and we will get to that in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, FanDuel's been working with us for a few months now. The NBA playoffs are almost here. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook because new customers are getting what they call a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That is, bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain, they also have exclusive bets uh, to a FanDuel, like a 2x3. It's two three-pointers made in the first three minutes of any given game. You can get the money line, spreads, player points, assists, rebounds. No matter what you're looking for, FanDuel's got the options for you. The best part is FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay if you're interested in such things. So just don't miss out on the chance to get your no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on today. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Now, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day, my friends. I hope you guys will consider checking out Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton, get got you covered every single day with everything you know about college basketball in one place. Here from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So obviously the Big Twelve and the Pac-12 continue to have their tiff. It feels like it's calmed down quite a bit. the The headlines aren't raging seemingly on a daily basis. But Dennis Dodd has stayed on the grind with this, and I, I got to give him credit for this. And he had a conversation with Jim Williams, a guy that we actually had on my radio station, the KSL Sports Zone to talk about what's going on with regards to the Pac-12 media rights. And there's one particular tidbit from this latest article from Dennis Dodd that I I, I picked up on and thought it was very notable because the quote here is I am an, this is from Jim Williams uh, to Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports. I'm at an absolute loss how NBC, ES, uh, CBS, ESPN, ABC or Fox gets the Pac-12 to 50% distribution on linear TV. Uh, he adds that I don't know how anybody could sit there and assure you that. We're going to have that much on linear. I just don't see how they get there. But the, the thing I want to point out, and it's a positive it, with regards to what's going on with the Big 12 and their media rights still, is this. According to Dennis Dodd, the Big 12 has a minimum, or at least they're going to have, uh, the projections are, the Big 12 will have a minimum of 70% of its game on linear platforms in its new media rights still. 7 out of every 10 games on, on the uh, ESPN slash Fox side of things will be a Big 12 game that will be on a linear TV. TV. You'll be able to find that in your linear TV package. Whether you're streaming, you have cable boxes, you have satellite, they will be available to you. That's going to be very critical in the next round of, of the... Me, sports media landscape linear TV still rules my friends and sports on TV is the most single most valuable entity out there we know that the NFL dominates everything I think wasn't it like 90 of the top 100 rated shows over the last year annually for the last five or six years have been NFL broadcast so that means that football is still King and college football plays in a role in that obviously uh, a good college football game a high-level college football game easily outdraws an NBA game on a linear network Work like ESPN on a pretty regular basis. I'm not saying that every college football game does that, but a high-level football game, let's say like an Oklahoma BYU for example, they'll be coming up in November. That very easily, head-to-head with an NBA game, could outdraw them uh, on linear networks. But it's a it's a boon to think that BYU is going to be a part of a Big 12 that is going to have, like I said, 70% distribution on linear networks. The Big 12 and Brett Yormark were very, very smart about taking their rights back to market as early as they did. I remember there were so many people saying why are they doing this? They're they're, they're begging for scraps. Well guess what? It sure looks much more uh, positive right now as things continue to progress here for the Pac-12 where they just don't seemingly have a deal coming at any point in the relatively near future. Now I'm I'm not going to bemoan this too much because I've talked about this a lot on the podcast and got some feedback from you guys that you were getting a little tired of it so I laid off of it a little bit but the biggest thing is I I would expect that BYU is going to have the vast majority of their games still on linear networks, but also let me also add this. Get used to the to the Big 12 on ESPN+. There are going to be games of BYU's most notably basketball and other quote-unquote Olympic sports. We're talking the other sports out there. Uh, women's volleyball, soccer, that type of stuff. Get used to streaming that stuff. BYU TV will still be involved uh, to the level, the way I understand it, that BYU TV will produce these games for the Big 12, but they will not be distributed as heavily on BYU TV. TV, they'll actually almost be exclusively on ESPN Plus. You can still expect uh, BYU TV personalities Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, Jerem Jordan, Spencer Linton, all those folks down there who do an incredible job, and all the people who work behind behind the scenes as well. They'll still be heavily involved in the production side of things, but it just will not be on BYU TV, at least to the level we have gotten used to as as BYU fans over the past decade plus when BYU was a football independent and the West Coast Conference was looking for any and all exposure they could possibly muster. So uh, I would encourage you if you have not done so already, uh, get ESPN Plus, get familiar with it and how to work it. And if you just want some extra incentive with it, the Disney Plus bundle that you can get with it. For my money, I, I stream. I've got multiple streaming services. I, I'm one of those cord cutters who has got a, a a pretty hefty bill when it comes to my cord cutting. But the ESPN, Disney Plus, and Hulu bundle for the money, I'm not sure you can beat it out there on the open market when it comes to streaming. So, uh, just just a little tidbit. Linear TV is still going to be important. So you'll want to keep your cable package. Or if you're like me, I use YouTube TV. Whatever you want to use, Fubo or um, what are the other ones? Uh, Sling TV etc. I would encourage you guys to keep those in mind. Have that available to you because still the majority of the Big 12 football games will be on linear TV. But also, if you're a Cougar fan who loves to watch other sports, like I said, basketball and essentially every other, uh, but I, I call them Olympic sports. I know it's not the perfect analogy, but you know what I'm talking about. The the other sports in BYU's athletic department, if you want to watch them, Get very familiar with ESPN Plus and anticipate the vast majority of your BYU sports watching in those realms will be part of that streaming platform going forward here. But it's good to hear that the Big 12 is set up for the future and the the vast majority, 70 plus percent of their TV uh, distribution will be linear TV for football games in particular. And that that should warm your heart as a BYU fan. The the Pac-12 out there where they don't think they're going to get to 50% linear TV, that's putting yourself in a bad, bad spot because you're, you're just overall, uh, just, how am I trying to say this? Your overall uh, cachet and your overall just, um, I don't even know how to describe. I'm, I'm at a loss for words on it, but you guys know what I'm talking about. You, you guys know what I'm talking about. You're smart enough to figure it out. They need linear TV distribution to keep themselves relevant. The island of relevancy. The Big 12, just based on the projections right now, is going to be far more in the public eye than the Pac-12 will be, but that could change if the Pac-12 pulls a rabbit out of their hat. But, man, the more we hear of these stories, it sure looks like it is going to be a long shot for the Big 12. Uh, for the Pac-12 to actually get that done. All right. Uh, We will transition now and talk a little more BYU football before we go on today's show. We look back at a a big game in BYU's 2015 season, but also one of the more frustrating and just one of those games that you you tear your hair out because BYU had an opportunity to knock off a top 10 team and continue what was a pretty good start to the 2015 season. BYU was nationally ranked in their own right as they made the trip to Westwood to face off against UCLA in the Rose Bowl. We'll talk about what happened in in that game as well as a couple other notes when it comes to BYU sports coming up in just a moment. All right, time now to talk a little bit about what's going on with BYU and obviously the 2015 season. Now, the biggest thing with BYU in the 2015 season was that BYU had opened the season with two thrilling wins. We all know this. You go to Nebraska and win on that Hail Mary. It was all over Sports Center and social media. Like I said, I was in attendance at that game. Had a great trip to Lincoln. I would highly encourage you, if you have an opportunity, to go to a game in Lincoln, Nebraska and watch the Cornhuskers play. You will not regret it. It is one of the great venues in all of college sports. But uh, after that, BYU comes home and knocks off a top-20 ranked Boise State team. And after a 2-0 start to the season, BYU found themselves ranked number 19 in the country as they headed to UCLA and the Rose Bowl to take on the Bruins. Now, this was a pretty high-level game because UCLA under Jim Mora was kind of at their high point under his reign as head coach. They were ranked number 10 in the country coming into this one. But BYU absolutely feasted on Josh Rose. Many of you will recall Josh Rosen struggled in this game, had three interceptions in the first half, really gave BYU a lot of the momentum. They led 10-3 at halftime. They made it 17-10 going into the fourth quarter, but that's when the Paul Perkins show showed up for uh, UCLA. Paul Perkins rushed for 219 yards in this game, and BYU's defense, if you guys recall this game, just wilted down the stretch, and I can't blame him. When a guy is going to run for that many yards on you, it is going to beat up your defense, and BYU was unable to get critical stops when they needed them. Uh, Nate Starks, if I recall correctly, uh, yeah, was the one that punched in the ultimate, the, the go-ahead touchdown for UCLA with 325 to go in this game. And BYU got the ball back, but just could not find an answer to get themselves into field goal range with Tanner Mangum at the helm of the offense and fell 24-23. to uh, This is one of the more frustrating games thinking back on it because I remember watching this game. It was a late night. Tanner Mangum uh, completed 30 of 47 passes for 244 yards. One touchdown, one interception. Adam Hine had himself actually a really nice rushing game as well. Opposite of Paul Perkins, he ran for 149 yards and a touchdown, but in many ways this felt like a game the BYU should have just grinded out for a win but unfortunately the grinded out for a win was UCLA cuz like i said they they kind of loaded up the Paul Perkins train and just absolutely steamrolled their way to a grinding win and carved it out 3 uh, they got to 3 and 0 while BYU fell to 2 and 1 and that brought up the next game for BYU which man i'm not sure any single game got under the skin more of BYU fans when it came to the Bronco Hall's way of coaching and the way he operated in his lead up to games than the game we're going to talk about on tomorrow's show. It's the Michigan game. Many of you will recall this after going to UCLA, BYU had a quick trip the very next week to go to the big house to face off against the Wolverines. It was a really kind of star-studded start to the season. You made a trip to Nebraska, you came home to face Boise State, You made a trip to the Rose Bowl, and now you're going to the big house. You in four weeks, time in the 2015 season, BYU played in three of the most storied venues in all of college football. But that Michigan game that we will talk about on tomorrow's show, absolutely, I still feel like sticks in the craw of most Cougar fans when they think of their memories of Bronco Mendenhall. And like I said, we'll talk about that one on tomorrow's podcast. A couple other notes real quick is congratulations uh, to Wally Thane from the BYU Men's Tennis Program. He has found himself a national ranking in uh, college tennis. Now, I didn't know that this could happen. I I will freak freely say this. I am not all things to all people, but he is ranked 123rd in the country in singles tennis. I did not know that rankings for singles tennis in college uh, tennis could go to the 120s somewhere in there but congratulations all the same to Wally Thane. really cool to see him getting an individual ranking and also congratulations uh, to uh, I gotta pull this up Capono Brown from the BYU men's volleyball program he was named Off the Block's national opposite of the week after leading BYU to two wins over USC last week he finished with 38 kills across those two matches it is his first weekly national recognition from Off the Block in his career and it's BYU's third of the season with Teon Taylor having won middle attacker of the week twice earlier this season so congratulations the Capono Brown. Uh, really good showing for him and obviously great individual uh, award being handed out to him. So there you go. Uh, you are up to speed on everything going on in BYU sports that I could muster here on this Wednesday. Coming up on tomorrow's show, like we, like I said, we'll talk about that Michigan game, uh, what happened in it, and why it drew so much ire from BYU fans. I think most of you know why, but we'll talk about it all the same. And also, tomorrow on the show, Eddie Heckard. Uh, excuse me. No, I apologize. Eddie Heckard's coming up on Friday's edition of the podcast. I apologize. Uh, tomorrow is a mailbag edition of the show. It's Thursday. So if you guys have your questions, please submit them via social media. You can drop us an email, Locked on lockedonbyu.com gmail.com uh, you can get your questions in now and like I said Friday I guess we will give an early tease on this Eddie Heckard BYU cornerback had a great chance to speak with him the transfer from Weber State a guy who's expected to take on a huge role in BYU's defense this coming fall we'll catch up with him on Fridays but tomorrow a mailbag edition of the podcast as well as anything else that comes out with regards to BYU sports and also look back at that just man, what a disappointing loss to the Michigan Wolverines. We've got that all coming up on a Thursday edition of the podcast. All right, so there you go. You are caught up to speed on everything in BYU sports. Thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Uh, One other quick note before we go on today's show. I'm not sponsored by Doug Smith uh, Kia, but i got to give a shout out to Lynn over there at Doug Smith Kia. They helped me get into a new ride yesterday. I've been looking around for the last little bit. I've had my uh, Chevy that I have driven for almost nine years now. My car that I had actually predates my marriage to my wife. I have had it for so long. I have driven it uh, here, there, and everywhere. It's been an absolute machine, but it was time to upgrade. And Lynn, I walked into Doug Smith Kia to take a test drive. He looks over and says, Hey, Jay Catch. I had no idea who Lynn was, but we became fast friends and Lynn, thank you for hooking me up. You guys over there, Doug Smith Kia made it a painless experience. Like I said, I am not sponsored by Doug Smith in any way, shape or form on this podcast. If they want a sponsor with the show. I'd be happy to have them do that. But Lynn and the crew over there, Doug Smith Kia made it a great, great experience. And Lynn, thank you for your support of locked on Cougars. I couldn't believe that you knew who I was just by looking at me, but nonetheless, it was really fun to meet you and a big shout out to Lynn and the crew over there at Doug, Smith Kia. All right, now I'm done. Uh, now go make your second listen our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Get caught up on uh, everything going on with regards to uh, the Big 12 football, uh, their media rights deal, obviously basketball, a disappointing end of the season because no team made the Final Four. Uh, Josh Neighbors got you covered top to bottom when it comes to Big 12 news. Get that free and available wherever you get your podcasts. It's also available on YouTube. So until tomorrow, my friends, have a great day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.